Hello, welcome to Not About Food episode 19 with your host Phoebe Webb. That makes me sound like a TV presenter, I wish. Um, thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is such a great episode with our first returning guest, registered dietitian and recovered anorexia sufferer Vicky Messam. This time explaining why diets are absolute nonsense. So if you've not heard the two-part episode we did last year about refeeding in ED recovery, I highly recommend scrolling back and checking that one out as well. We're still getting back into the swing of recording and publishing episodes. Uh, thank you everyone who listened to our comeback episode for Eating Disorders Awareness Week. We're aiming to put out new episodes every two weeks and to make that possible, we need guests. So if you have a subject relating to eating disorders you want to talk about on the show, you can contact us on Twitter or Instagram at notaboutfoodpod, or you can email us on notaboutfoodpod at gmail.com. Uh, so for the standard podcast, please, if you enjoy Not About Food, please rate, review, subscribe and share our podcast. We're really proud of what we do and we want to reach as many ears as possible. Also, because we do this with very basic technology and rely on the kindness of guests to come on for free, we now have a coffee page for fans to donate cash to help us get professional kit. Nothing that fancy, but a step up from recording on an app on my phone and eventually pay guests for their time. You can donate at www coffee which is ko hyphen fi.com forward slash not about food pod and anything you can contribute will be hugely appreciated trigger warnings are in the show notes as per usual please check them out before you listen and yeah get ready to unlearn diet culture in this conversation with vicky messam here we are i am with our first repeat guest i've got dietitian Vicky Messam here basically to debunk all the dreadful diets that we hear about us all the time obviously but especially in January it is we are approaching the end of January and I wish we'd done this a month earlier to put this out just in time for the post-Christmas um, diet culture wave um, but this is always going to be relevant and it will be available after next Christmas so you can always um, bookmark it for next January if you want to. <laughs> okay, so um, for those of you who haven't heard the last episode, well, almost like a double episode we did with Vicky last time. Vicky is a dietitian, but also suffered with anorexia and is in recovery from anorexia as well, and has been working in um, eating disorder units, which is just the best turnaround ever. And before we kind of talked about refeeding and things that come uh, come with refeeding, what to expect. And she also gave out some advice uh, as to how to navigate it, um, which I think was a really successful episode. And I hope people found it helpful. Um, so, yeah, today we are looking at all of the nonsense diets slash quote unquote lifestyles that are being advertised to us as things, something that will fix our lives and fix our bodies and will just make us morally superior people. And yes, talk about why that is not the case. And so I'm really excited Vicky agreed to come back and scientifically debunk these for us. 
So, hello. hello. Welcome back. Yeah, thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm really looking forward to today's episode as well. Last time as well, part of the reason we ended up doing two parts is because we could just talk about all of this stuff mm-hmm. for hours. Um, and that's not conducive to a successful podcast, <laughs> annoyingly. Uh, maybe yeah. we should do like an audio book or something where people mm. are prepared to listen for six hours. But we'll see. Let's um so yeah, we'll just we're gonna just get straight into it. And I think we've decided what we're gonna look at first is kind of named and branded diets that uh, you know especially the ones you'll see advertised on tv the things that you can buy associated products or foods with that kind of thing because you know diet culture is a very very profitable machine and it's companies like the ones we're going to talk about are really profiting off of disordered eating and under eating and just general poor advice I mm. think so Vicky let's talk about the two big ones um we're going to talk about them in conjunction because they are similar and they go hand in hand i imagine even though they're competitors and we're looking at weight watchers aka ww and slimming world can you tell us a bit about those so these probably are the most kind of ingrained in the uk as well they're really well known about because they've been around for gosh since the kind of 80s um as such for, for both of them but yeah, the newly re, uh, rebranded WW, which was previously known as uh, Weight Watchers, kind of works by a certain, uh, assigning like a certain number of smart points um, to each food. And Slimming World or refers to food in terms of free foods and sins. So it's trying to step away from looking at calorie content of food and trying to look at the food groups. So that's why it has like these smart points and sins kind of um, references as such. But they they both sell their own products as well, and both can be very costly. Uh, Slimming World's kind of I've got here their estimated annual revenue is currently sort of four hundred and eighty one million pounds a year. Um, <laughs> And I'll tell you why they can earn so much money over such a long period of time, which you know, and I'm sure most of the yeah. listeners will know too, is because they, they're they meant to work on a short-term basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People are meant to do it for a while, lose some weight, and then do a quote-unquote maintenance thing. But the only way you can maintain that kind of weight loss is by permanent restriction. Um, and so they go back to eating again normally, so to speak um and then the weight goes back on and they go oh no i fell off the wagon i need to go back to weight watchers i need to go back to slimming world and so the cycle begins again and actually referring to food as sins you're just demonizing um a certain food group which is really it's a part of kind of a disordered eating mentality because then you're kind of turning food into like an enemy and then if there's if you overindulge on this quote unquote then actually you end up feeling a lot of shame because you've had something that's sinful so it's it's also not creating the healthiest kind of associations with food that you wouldn't be recommended and people sort of do and they pride themselves on you know being not calorie counted diets Mm. but 
they're just associating more arbitrary numbers to yeah. food that don't tell you anything about the content or anything about um you know the macros or micronutrients mm-hmm. in it they are made up <laughs> yeah. but you know we don't need we don't need to beat around the bush they're all like hype it is literally just made up assigned numbers yeah yeah completely it was i think i can't remember i think weight watchers was the one where it's, it's designed by a sort of housewife in the 60s yes with no previous sort of nutritional knowledge i mean obviously it's developed since the 60s and um has sort of got, got better as such but even the, the research has shown that in in the long term it doesn't work because people tend to put the weight on you very motivated first of all to do to do this but it's very costly weight watches are 17 pounds a month slimming world is about six pounds a week there it's at the end of the day they're companies that wanting to get money they, they want profit <laughs> and so the other thing they have in common is the weekly meetups mm, that happen yes. in you know church halls or you know, little um, village halls and things like that, where people go and meet up with each other, get weighed in front of each other. And although as far as I know, they don't explicitly say your weight out loud to the rest of the congregation, they do say whether you've gone up or down or stayed the same since the previous week. It's kind of like a mob mentality kind of community and that's kind of sad I was I'm listening to an audiobook at the moment where the author was talking about going to Slimming World with his mum and how Mm. for a lot of people there it was literally their only contact with other people so Mm. that's that's kind of preying on vulnerable lonely people it's in itself but also it's just a a rehashed version of pro-anna as far as I'm concerned it's a matter of encouraging each other to keep losing weight no matter how encouraging each other to oh not don't eat that or do eat this I was talking I've got a friend I was asking her about her experiences with going to these meetings too and like the person who'd lost the most weight that week had would be given a basket of fruit as a prize or oh wow things like that um of course other diets say fruit is terrible because it's got sugar in it but we'll come to that later <laughs> yeah it's just it's scary and you pay for that you pay to attend these meetings for someone Mm. who is probably one quite likely has disordered eating and two is biologically naturally smaller (laughs) than the people let's you know we could always bang on all all the time about set point theory and stuff as well about why certain people are bigger than others but yeah it's a weird like punishing slash um congratulatory program depending on how well you've behaved it's a reflection on your strength and your willpower and how good a person you are yeah exactly and it's it's a lot of shame is being put when you haven't lost weight and you know a, a lot of shame and actually we know that any kind of restrictive diet can if you put it to its most extreme can actually lead to kind of like restrict and then binge and restrict sort of cycles as well so people can end up developing um you know this this sort of way of way of eating thinking they can't have these restricted items 
So then when they do want it, will have the tendency to binge on them. And that's something that's highlighted in intuitive eating is that, e- you know, even like um, a cognitive kind of block on something saying it's forbidden or it's bad makes you more likely to binge on it. And also the fact that um, weight cycling, so going up and down over time on a, you know, on a regular basis can lead to your set point or your set weight range increasing. So not not to say that that is an inherently bad thing because it's not, but it's also it's kind of counterproductive if what you're aiming for is for a lower weight and that behavior is increasing your body's set point because it's constantly fretting what if we drop again what if we go through famine again what if food is scarce again and that we end up the body ends up clinging on to energy more so and storing it than it would have done if you hadn't weight cycled yeah yeah exactly you know you touched on all really good points there um just the, the fact is these these don't work in the long term and actually they're not changing kind of dietary behaviors or what's going on emotionally um and it's kind of disregarding that there's a lot of emotions and social um side of eating as well that's incredibly important to have and it's about whether in the long term you're going to remember the memories you made out going to a birthday party and having a meal mm-hmm. or are you going to remember just sitting alone at home having the sim world kind of meal by by yourself thinking oh gosh I'm... I have eaten those products in the past how did you find them <laughs> it's it's obviously it's a long time ago I don't think they were especially appetizing at the time but also I didn't know much different because of how restrictive my diet was anyway and also with you know impaired um, impaired executive functioning I did um I went through phases of only having ready meals and so they were just kind they became what I was used to because it was a matter of the calories are on there on the box it saves you having to do all of the mathematic acrobatics of working out which I did I did that too in certain periods of my life um, and would only do that at certain periods but you know I know this is this is not uncommon for people to rely on ready-made foods because the the macros are there on the on the back of the packet you know and whereas actually we know that the food advertising uh, standards at the moment sort of can um, allow a kind of a 20% margin on calories that is on packaging. So actually, we, we you don't know for exact certain what what the cal- calories are. And I know that can be really frightening as well. But actually, it's just showing we, you can't just focus on the calories. It's focusing on the food and the nutrient groups as a whole and what you're getting. Yeah, and I, this isn't too bad mouth ready meals because they are really important options for people who work people who have kids people who are disabled and yeah they're really they're really useful and I think they absolutely have a place and they absolutely can be nutrient dense as well as delicious but they're not a Weight Watchers child-sized portion of spag bowl Mm. you're still like for example part of the 
part of the reason, if not the reason, they're lower in calorie than other ready meal options is because they're smaller. You are not going to be full. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and this is exactly like you said, like ready meals aren't necessarily a bad option uh, at all. Um, and I think actually a lot of the kind of WW and slimming world kind of ethics, it does rely on a lot on home cooking and having to, first of all, be able to have the funds to afford all of this and also to be able to have the knowledge base of being able to, to cook and have the time of preparation. Which, and the facilities. Yeah, yeah, exactly, which we know a lot of people don't have that access to. So it really doesn't take that into consideration. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that the values of Weight Watchers, I, refer, I refuse to call it WW. It's done that as a rebranding to market itself as a lifestyle. Um, it's still just Weight Watchers. It's still just peddling weight loss. The values are rooted in privilege, which I hadn't really thought of until just this minute. <laughs> Even if there's not a subscription, a lot of diet gimmicks cost. I mean, you know, I've seen posts about the the financial toll of eating disorders. And I'm just like, yeah, especially, you know, certain food, your safe foods are expensive. If you binge, you can spend a lot of money on food. And yeah, diet plans aren't especially any different from that. Yeah, no, completely. It's, you know, how many working class families who don't have a, a high disposable income uh, would be able to afford for this and to be honest this could be applied to most of the things I think we're going to be talking about to move on to another brand that as far as I know doesn't necessarily have a subscription or doesn't involve meetups per se but is a massive brand that we still see advertised on tv by a so-called plus size model Kelly Brook who is very much still just a size 10 slim fast Yes, so Slim Fast is the meal replacement plan. So you have one, what they call, and this is not my words, sensible meal, but replace two meals a day with Slim Fast products and snacks with Slim Fast snacks. So they they kind of advertise themselves as the fact that they've got research and they're clinically proven to work as well. But actually, if you look at the research, it's all just focused on the short term, the minimum actual, the the, the time they're on the, the, the sim fast plan and losing weight, not actually with the maintenance and any kind of longevity or, or long term. And also a lot of the studies that these companies kind of do are going to be sort of taken with a pinch of salt anyway, because they're funding their own research into their own products. So they're probably going to come out beneficial. Um or then probably would scrap anything that came out negative <laughs> as such. Um, so yeah, they it's unrealistic goals for uh, and expectations for long term long term sustainability. So they then expect you once you've got to your target weight to keep one of your meals as the slim fast replacement shape. Needless to say, this doesn't work it doesn't help with actually changing kind of any behavior modification it's not actually helping teach you or educate you with nutrition what's good for your body what's not it's about buy the product you'll lose weight i think slim fast are also terribly proud of themselves for not being a calorie counted diet um as if that means it's not restrictive in any way Mm -hmm. so i have 
you know, I've been shouting at the telly every time I've seen the adverts um, at the end when Kelly Brook is just like, works for me. And I'm just like, you know, the reason it works is because you're under eating. One of the many podcasts and audiobooks I've been listening to since we've been uh, off the air, shall we say, is Maintenance Phase, which is presented by Aubrey Gordon, who, also known as your fat friend, and Michael Hobbs, who is a writer for the Huffington Post. Um, and it's a really great, engaging podcast. And it's another, it's kind of a lot of what we're talking about of looking at the history of dieting and debunking things. Um, and yeah, they talk about how, yeah, diets seemingly have really high success rates in the space of a year. What are the results after five years? Mm-hmm. You know, what happens in those five years? They, you know, when I was putting together training for um, doing eating disorder training in my workplace, one of the statistics I came across is a quarter of dieters will go on to develop an eating disorder. Now, let's clarify there. It doesn't mean a quarter of people go on to develop anorexia. It could be bulimia. It could be binge eating disorder. It could be otherwise specified feeding mm. and eating disorders. Um, still, a quarter is a minority, but it's a huge chunk as well. And anyway, I went on the Slim Fast website out of morbid curiosity <laughs> to see what it was going to recommend me now I am 28 years old and a size 12 ish in the UK so that's a US 8 um and I have pretty de- I think I've got a pretty decent varied varied diet but full of lots of tasty yummy sweet things and stuff it's it's balanced and you know so far removed from anything I used to used to eat but I thought what is Slimfast going to recommend me for my height and weight and you know so-called goal um so I put in like a couple of stone weight loss uh, as well as my height and weight and activity level I think Mm -hmm. and with that information it put together a meal plan as a dietitian yeah, yeah, that's like right. you, 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 a, a website cannot do <laughs> build a meal plan anyway. Um, yep. but anyway, and I'll do um, a trigger warning for calories here as well because again, it's not something we generally talk about, but this is just to highlight the absurdity. Its suggestion was breakfast, a slim fast shake or bar. The shakes, I believe, are made of powder. I'm not convinced they're going to be that appetizing. And then a slim fast snack. And then for lunch, a slim fast product. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then a slim fast snack. And then a dinner of up to 600 calories. Now, if we, I, I calculated what this roughly is in terms of calories. And again, calories don't tell you really anything but it, you do get a gist of how much it could be. Slimfast was recommending me, someone who is straight size and of a rather average weight and size, to eat 1,300 calories a day. That's less than a four-year-old boy is recommended to eat. Yep. But <laughs> Brilliant. But yep, an adult on Slimfast can sustain that. Yep and then keep the weight off even if they once they increase a bit and only have one slim fast meal yeah 
that's about the recommended calorie intake for three-year-old going on to four-year-old toddlers mm-hmm. um, that is like I said I'm, I'm 28 and active <laughs> yeah exactly so you're bound to feel exhausted and horrible from doing this as well mm-hmm. if you're not giving your body enough energy you're gonna feel sluggish and grim and you know it's it, it's ridiculous and really dangerous as well to be recommending such low calories i think it doesn't help when it comes to people accessing eating disorder treatment um if you're not having like an extreme extreme restriction then people will often get written off and i've seen this in my work as well um but 1300 calories for an adult is still heavily restrictive that's semi-starvation and you will feel it you know when I last went through a bit of a rough patch with my recovery a few years back that was you know roughly what I was consuming and I felt dreadful within less than a week Uh, it's not sustainable and all you know it's going to encourage you to do a certain amount of exercise go to the gym do these classes blah 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 good luck with that I had to leave a class because I was not physically capable but this is being this isn't being branded as an eating disorder it's being branded as healthy yeah and this is the thing is that we're relying on other companies or other gadgets or apps to tell us more about our bodies than our own bodies are telling Mm -hmm. us as well which is really if you bring yourself out of it and think about it it's really insane um and you know we we kind of touched on it um just in talking between messaging but that's actually the the i know we don't talk about calories as much but um the 2000 calories a day thing has actually just come from not a lot of evidence whatsoever and was rather the american organization in the 70s wanted to um put nutrition labeling on so got food diaries in um, and just kind of worked out what people were eating from food diaries, which we don't know whether they were filled out correctly, any any of this. And it actually showed that it's way the number is way higher and sort of closer to 2,300 calories for women and then more when you're exercising. So That's the thing, it, there's so much nuance to it. I read something awful. I can't, I think it might have been... Yes, I read it on Twitter the other day. Someone said, um, posted something that advice they were given after having a baby about how to lose baby weight, saying breastfeeding is a great way to lose baby weight because you burn X amount of calories by breastfeeding. I mean, there's there's a horrifying pressure put on people who have just given birth to get get their body back. Sorry, we're not going back anywhere. There's been a human growing inside the body um and also they've got more to do than focusing (laughs) on their i mean with diet culture it would be very normal for a um new i don't want to say new mum because not everyone who gives birth associates with the term or role of mum or mother but they're expected to barely sleep look after an infant but also diet and exercise yeah it's it's ridiculous as well we know that postpartum depression is increasingly common now um as well 
and there's this massive pressure on people to change the way they look and often you know having a baby can change your body quite dramatically and that can be quite quite difficult for someone who doesn't you know previously didn't have any issues with their body to go through because they do see a lot of changes it can it can really um affect people as well and actually the focus should be on nourishing our bodies because we are breastfeeding we want to be able to give the nourishment because that's that's a baby's only source of nutrition is coming from breast milk it's vital that you are nourishing your body so you're passing that on when I when we did the episode about eating disorders and pregnancy, um, I think it was our guest Abby who said, um, so she was really struggling with anorexia and compulsive exercise about how the midwife or the nurse or someone said, well, the baby won't suffer. The baby will just take all the energy it needs from you. So it doesn't matter that you're under eating. <laughs> because the, 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 the vessel doesn't doesn't count the vessel doesn't matter apparently which i mean i know we're going off on a bit of a tangent but that's completely incorrect you know during during pregnancy you need to be eating more it's not as as much as people might think within the first few sort of trimesters but actually you need to be nourishing your body and actually if you're underweight or under eating and have had a history of that then it's even more important that you are eating enough and although you can see guidelines of, oh, you only need such, such and such extra calories in your third trimester or whatever, that is not a golden rule. And this is where intuitive eating would be really important because everyone's pregnancy is different. different. Yeah. Um, everyone uses a different amount of energy anyway, let alone when growing a human. You don't need to measure out those extra permitted calories. You pregnancy is I can't even imagine and it's not something I ever plan to go through what a time what better a time to try and be in touch with your body exactly exactly and you need to listen to your body and your hormones will be all over the place and you can have your appetite increase as well and it's important that you listen to your body as well and depending, you know um just like with any any human you may want you may be hungrier one day than the next we don't need a prescriptive amount i'm still you know muddling through intuitive eating at the moment and the day last week i was just like oh why am i hungrier than yesterday um it's really annoying you know and i was like i did do a spin class last night mm-hmm. <laughs> so that might might contribute you know yeah <laughs> we, i mean um, we we know as you know very well that we can be trapped trying to eat a certain amount or eat under a certain amount and so it may sound somewhat hip- hypocritical coming from two people who lived with anorexia but <laughs> um i suppose that's why it's especially important for us to go off on the fact that we don't need to eat the same amount every day yeah. um maybe if, if you're on a, a meal plan for whatever reason um there is some that ob- obviously there's some value in that especially mm-hmm. if your hunger and fullness signals are off or you have I can't remember the term but yeah basically you're not always very sure what you need to I mean I certainly had times in my life I was like what am I actually meant to have because I have no idea but yeah to learn that it's okay and safe to vary on a day-to-day basis yeah is uh 
is is perfectly healthy and normal yeah exactly yes <laughs> you know exactly we've we've got up on our soapbox again so we'll move yes, on to the next. we've done we've always do this um but uh but yeah i mean that kind of does lead nicely on to like discussing sort of noom which is uh one of the big ones as well i'm sure plenty of people have heard of noom it's advertised on tv and on social media and everything as not a diet it's a lifestyle or something like that that's a red flag on its own so can you tell us what noom is and why it's nonsense (laughs) yes so noom advertises itself as a weight loss app but that has a psychology based approach to change your eating habits for the better Yes, the, it's the, the slogan was stop dieting, get lifelong results. Um, and it was founded by someone in 2008. And actually, up until 2016, it never had the psychology um, element to it. It was just purely a calorie and nutrition tracker, similar to the MyFitnessPals of the world that you see. Yeah. Um, if you have a little bit more of a read kind of around it so it's you get assigned a coach and there's kind of peer support and it's you um sign up for a plan the plan's designed for 16 weeks and you have calorie restrictions and things are put into red green and amber categories my surprise yeah i will don't get me started on traffic light signals but continue yeah again there was one um person person's account said she was recommended and again just warning for calorie content but 1250 calories which is the equivalent to a three-year-old it's like i say that's not sustainable it's incredibly sort of dangerously low calorie and it's especially if you're exercising it's dangerous just there's no other word sort of for it but the 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 more interesting thing I found reading sort of about this was the fact that the the founder is an entrepreneur and is multi-millionaire with multiple businesses um that's all he's sort of done before Noon that was never in the health and fitness he's in the business industry and then it was 2016 Artem Petakov and I'm sorry if I'm saying his name wrong sort of joined the um team and added the psychology element he's got a sort of psychology background but they're actually currently involved in a lawsuit for fraud for a deceptive and illegal automatic renewal scheme, scamming money from app users. Ooh, did not know that. Yeah, so it's... Not only is it dangerous, they're also really dodgy. (laughs) Yeah, and it's not that well advertised, but if you sort of search it on the on the internet it's currently been awaiting a jury trial um to be sort of taken further but basically they were kind of scamming people into signing up for sort of months year-long kind of pay plans without them realizing with no option to come out of it as well um and actually the the kind of money that you're looking is 99 pounds for four months um what, what, what do you get in that package so with that package, you get the coach kind of um, coach support. So you get a nutrition plan, an exercise plan, peer support um, with it. So whenever you want, you can sort of talk with someone. Um, and it's recommended that you do the full uh, 16 weeks. So paying that 
99 uh, pounds but it also does recommend that actually you go for longer so that you can also get the maintenance kind of plan as such but I have two questions well I've got lots of questions actually but my two <laughs> main questions here are and you may or may not have the answers um but just as a general like stroking my chin kind of suspicion here so this coach what background does this coach have do they have an actual background in nutrition or are they just trained by noon no they so some of them do have cbt background that's where the r10 pentacle come back so cognitive behavioral therapy is what cbt stands for um it's uh, it's so used sometimes with eating disorders but it's being moved away from now well, cbte i've i've probably done and they in day patient or something and they just didn't call it that and one of my mutuals another campaigner cara lysa really really praises how cbte was brilliant for her recovery so i don't want to detract from that as a whole but also just is it a is a background of cbt enough for someone to remotely coach someone through under eating for the sake of weight loss no and this this is what i don't understand is that it's advertised itself to stop stop dieting but this is a diet you're being put on a calorie restriction and also get lifelong results but we haven't had the psychology part of this company until 2016 so the only data we would have would be from then until now which actually isn't lifelong. We don't know. We have no idea what the lifelong uh, results are because it, we don't have them. It's still it's still new. Um, and actually, the the guy Artem has been accused of using his CBT knowledge to funnel millions of dollars into this app and get uh, the the money from kind of unwary customers. I don't want to poo poo it. You know, I'm just uh, because potentially does have the capacity to work in a um, short term and can work for some people who may be actually wanting to do it for a, a health reason but I don't recommend it because it's not it's not su- sustainable it's going to lead to micronutrient deficiencies and nutrient deficiencies with this sort of low calorie attitude and actually the the, the basis of it is trying to get money more than anything rather than caring about your health that's the thing and i think this is true of everything we talk about in that the if the pursuit is health which is kind of how diets are being repackaged because mm. of a greater awareness of diet culture um mm. and that's i guess where companies like noom get the it's not a diet kind of tagline because they know they're more likely to be called out if they call themselves a diet but yeah, in the pursuit of health, one, there's no consideration for health overall, including mental health. Two, it promotes nutrient deficiency, which we've already said. And three, it promotes the idea that everyone who is fat is unhealthy. Everyone who is thin is healthy. And people are fat for lots of reasons. And for a lot of people, it will be nothing to do with their diet and lifestyle. I've I've quoted this over and over again, but our weight and shape is determined 80% by genetics and only 20% by diet and lifestyle. And so, you know, there will be people who are 
underweight or not not even underweight who are quote unquote healthy weight um but are actually nutrient deficient because they don't have a particularly varied diet for whatever reason like not to say that that determines their moral stance or anything but just as an example of a possibility and there can be fat people who do healthful behaviors of a varied diet that's rich in nutrient dense food but and does you know joyful movement I'm very, very conscious not to peddle it as, you know, the idea of healthy eating, but rather the overall overall healthful um, behaviours. So weight loss, one, is not always possible. And two, it's quite often not necessary. But if someone if someone is engaging in, um, yeah, joyful movement, exercise they enjoy that's not compulsive, that isn't rooted in exercise addiction, people who have a healthy relationship to food where nothing's off limits, but they also have the nutrient dense foods. They have the fruit, they have the veg, they have the fiber, that kind of thing. But they also have, you know, chocolate bars, and you know, the, the things that are delicious. <laughs> some people will lose weight doing that and some people won't. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, these companies aren't here to focus on your health first. That is the important thing to note. They are profiteering off of your insecurities. And actually, I think the most important thing to do first is, is understanding your own kind of thoughts and accepting yourself for who you are and your body shape. And because these diets, diets can be socially accepted forms of disordered eating. Mm-hmm. So there's... A, I mean, I don't need to say on sort of here, but the difference between eating disorder and disordered eating is the fact that disordered eating, we do see so commonplace in the general population for people who don't have a diagnosed eating disorder, but actually the mentality they have kind of that's developed from diets and doing all these different things and looking at different information that's out there. And you were saying sort of earlier, they don't work in the long term. And actually, we know that there was an article in the British Medical Journal in 2020 that looked at Atkins, Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, Mediterranean diet, Dash diet, all these, and looked at the longevity of them. And they, over for the first six months, they were worked fine. And over the 12 months, it didn't. It went back to normal. The, mm-hmm. the results weren't there because they don't they don't work. They don't actually help with what what is the kind of root root thing that's going on in your brain but there's also you know I kind of want to stress the fact that if someone is fat or someone's I hate the term obese but it's it's you know it's used by medical professionals that's not through fault and it's not necessarily through overeating again it may just be someone's natural physical tendencies and most people you know will have that set set weight range that will kind of keep within and apart from in you know quite drastic circumstances and eating disorders themselves can cause weight gain as well as weight loss um even if one of the intentions is is weight loss if someone's going through a binge restrict or a binge purge restrict cycle that can still cause weight gain but yeah it's somebody who's fat or somebody who's obese or whatever is not necessary you know we see i've seen people say and i've had a patient at work say to me before as well you know, obese people should be on meal plans because they've clearly got an eating disorder. It's like one, some will. That's another matter. Oh, yeah. But also, 
obesity doesn't isn't purely a result of disordered eating or overeating it's also just how some bodies are some because that's just naturally where they are some because of conditions like hypothyroidism or something like that weight is talked about as something that's so simple and something that can just be controlled if you just try hard enough oh yeah massively so and it's such a like political issue now kind of really you know the the fact we comment on people's weight so much whereas actually we have no no need to you know commenting on weight loss I I never do it I'm even if some unless I know I have someone who is actively trying in a healthy way and doing it very healthily for good reasons otherwise I would never say anything because you don't know why that person has lost weight or gained weight what their feelings might be about it it's it's such a it's such a personal issue and can be such so many different factors and it doesn't involve you it doesn't why would you need to know about (laughs) someone's someone's weight makes no difference to how you treat them I had a colleague a few years back and I was smaller than than I am now um and she would always talk about, oh, you're so slim because you're vegetarian. And that's kind of my segue also in a way, because we were going to kind of touch on weight loss and vegetarian or veganism and veganuary. Mm. Yeah, so veganuary is obviously um, becoming more and more popular. We have people taking up uh, veganism or it seems to be more focused on the food aspect of um, veganism as well for the month of January. And I think it's, you know, people do it for sustainability. They do it for animal welfare, whatever sort of other reasons they might be wanting to, to do it as such. But it's, it's really important to note that with eating disorders, there, that there's a really disproportionate number of people who are suffering with an eating disorder or have suffered with an eating disorder to be vegetarian or vegan. And so about half of patients that we know in treatment for an eating disorder are presenters vegetarian. And the research has done around 61% of those felt that the eating disorder was kind of linked with their vegetarianism for some it wasn't for some it's sort of before beforehand and I think now and now we're sort of seeing that veganism is becoming more um more popular and it's really important to note veganism does not cause eating disorders um but it is a very very restrictive meal plan that when you're in the grip of an eating disorder can be used as a way of restricting food intake further it's it's one of those things it's like the way diet culture lets disordered eating and eating disorders go unnoticed Mm. i think this is another example of that Mm. yeah yeah absolutely and you know it's it is possible to to i know you've done some episodes with vegan about veganism sort of and eating disorders um as such but it's really important to look at where where this is stemming from and whether it's more from fear rather than actually wanting to be sustainable or or sort of um have sort of care for the animals and have that sort of side of things but i think what 
is really important to remember is that it's more important that you have your health and that you have you know freedom with your eating and that you have flexibility so that you can be sustainable and do lots of other things but actually your diet is a really really important one to focus on first and so you know I, I would sort of just say to people just to be wary of what why you're doing veganuary or going on to sort of veganism uh, and thinking about whether it is helpful for you in the long in the long term yeah I because of you know where I'm at in my recovery I sometimes think you should really be vegan by now because of my you know values and ethics around it and the reasons I'm vegetarian but to do that would still be would require taking a step back in how free I am at the moment with my food choices it would involve returning to looking at packaging again mm-hmm. um, which I only occasionally do now to check for gelatin for example and most things you don't even have to do that it will just have a sticker on the front but it's still I would be able to walk into a cafe and I do walk into a cafe look at what I fancy and go that instead of knowing I can choose between a couple of things and I know the selections are ever increasing and that's brilliant and I do eat a lot of vegan food deliberately Mm. um and I worked in a vegan cafe as well and within that company there was also the vegan pub and vegan fast food outlet and that's I see I still see even now people online and people who said it to me when I was working in this cafe why would vegans want fast food anyway (laughs) I was like one it's delicious yeah like (laughs) but also you know where's this idea that vegan equals clean eating Mm. which we will also talk about yeah yeah so veganism can be done in all sorts of different ways it doesn't necessarily mean that you are always eating fresh vegetables all the time and fruits and that's all your diet is involved involved with there's so much more to veganism now and there is vegan fast food and there is vegan cheese um, available and all sorts of uh, all sorts of things out there and so yeah it's it's just thinking about what people are doing it for and whether whether it is appropriate for you in that moment in like sort of deep down because that's a really difficult one um to actually kind of deal with and it can like I say veganism can be done really healthily um and I mean that in terms of actually having those bits of fast food and vegan brownie variety yeah 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 exactly this isn't this isn't us saying trashing veganism because it's still something that I may do in the future and I heavily endorse it when it's not a way of disguising disordered eating and avoiding fear foods i guess yeah yeah and what i would say is implement you know sustainability or whatever in the other parts of your life as well so you can cut down on the sort of makeup that's tested on animals or leather there are other ways that you can still do give your part back to the environment but it's not at the detriment of your health and your mental health overall yeah okay so since we've just mentioned it um let's have a look at clean eating what that means where you know how it's manifested and why it's actually 
not a good thing necessarily. Yeah. So clean eating seems to become like these buzzwords that you hear more and more now and seems to really be associated with like healthy lifestyle and sort of um, online bloggers and the kind of risers. Um, Aesthetic stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, completely. Gymshark and lots of sponsors and things. But actually clean eating has absolutely no definition online because it isn't really a, a defined thing in the scientific community it's not a recognized term um, the core principles kind of seem to be eliminating processed foods uh, meanwhile is, putting something in the oven is processing yeah and, uh, yeah uh, whereas actually as well there are many foods that are processed that are really good for us uh tin some things aren't tinned, safe without processing yep so tin tin vegetables they're all processed frozen frozen vegetables are all processed they've had to go through the freezing process bread has added vitamins and minerals to the flowers that's processed to give us and that's more. that's law as well i believe yeah um, same, same with um non-dairy milk alternatives they have to be fortified legally in the uk anyway yeah yeah exactly so actually that process is giving us the nutrition that our body needs um it also seems to be about kind of choosing whole grains minimizing alcohol um and kind of eating more vegetables and lots of clean eating cookbooks and things those things aren't inherently bad eating more veg and not drinking as much we're not saying that's wrong or that's that's actually unhealthy they're actually perfectly valid healthful choices to make but once again we want to focus on what someone's intentions behind this and any of the how it may affect their mental health in a detrimental way and the term clean is really loaded yeah it's again creating that kind of dichotomy so there's clean or dirty so the idea that if you've got clean foods, then we're going to be dirty foods or good foods and bad foods. Mm. And again, you're assigning like a negative label and demonising these kind of bad foods or whatever that means, whilst romanticising or over-exaggerating the benefits of these good foods as well. Because all foods break down to the same kind of <laughs> elements at the, same, at, the, at the end of the day. You know, they're breaking down proteins into amino acids carbs to glucose no matter what form that comes in into your mouth it's still the same thing at the end of the day mm -hmm. and when you assign like these labels to foods as well it's again if you eat them there can be a real kind of sense of shame or feeling dirty if you're eating dirty foods which is is just creating this disordered thought pattern around different types of foods um, and actually, if you sort of very strict with clean eating and going for no dairy as well, because that's processed, you're going to be missing some real vital sort of nutrients from your diet. Like, like I say, fro frozen vegetables that would be considered processed actually have higher nutrition than most fresh vegetables because they're frozen straight after they get picked. And they're more affordable for the most part as well yeah exactly it's and like, they've got a longer life there's so much going on here beyond you know e even if even if frozen veg for example didn't have the same 
macronutrients, no, micronutrients, sorry, as fresh. Let's weigh up the positives and negatives here. Mm, yeah. So if it's cheaper yeah. and it lasts longer. The fact that it can be then, stored away and kept, yeah. Yeah, like we've kind of got to do a cost-benefit analysis with this. Yeah, yeah. It just so happens that actually frozen peas will have more um, vitamins, minerals, whatever, I don't know the details, than a bag of garden peas that have sat in your fridge for a week. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, we're cutting out these really vital foods and also that could be more vital for those who don't have a much disposable income or don't have the income to, to spend again on foods like this as well. And actually tinned beans on sort of bread, <laughs> with beans on toast is a really, one of the sort of cheapest, most nutritious meals you can have. My partner seems to think that if I'm suggesting beans on toast for dinner, it's eating disorder fueled because to him, it doesn't seem like a well-balanced, like new nutritious meal with enough energy in it. I'm just like, mate, I can tell you exactly what's in this. And it's got be- beans. Beans are wonderful, wonderful things. And I know Americans laugh at the British having beans on toast. <laughs> mate, you can try it. Sprinkle yeah. some oh, cheese on there. It is wonderful. Um, the other point I kind of wanted to go with in the terms of clean eating, it's not just restricted to clean eating, it's relevant to diet culture in general. Once again, how restricting and things being off limits can make binging or compulsive eating more of an issue. So an example I use, an example I have personal experience of is rice cakes, for example, even the caramel flavoured ones. If what you fancy is some chocolate biscuits or a slice of Jamaican ginger cake, just throwing out some, you know, tasty staples in the cupboard and you go, I can't have those. They're bad. I'm going to have instead of having three biscuits, I'm going to have three rice cakes. Mm -hmm. That is not going to satiate you. That is potential for you to go back to the rice cakes looking for that um, satiety. And before you know it, you've eaten a whole pack of rice cakes, which is more than the calories you were intending to eat than you could would have eaten if you'd had the product, like the biscuits you were wanted in the first place. Pixie Turner uses the example of sweet potato brownies versus actual brownies mm. and how you make sweet potato brownies. Oh, they're so healthy. No, no, no. They, they taste the same, do they, though? You end up eating the whole pan. You're chocolate brownie craving is not associated but you also feel shit from mentally and physically for eating a whole pan of sweet potato brownies what you could have done is had a brownie a normal fudgy delicious brownie with your coffee or whatever and then you can just move on you don't have to keep going back and I know obviously if you do if you are in if you are nutrient deficient and if you are restricting and also just in the refeeding process with extreme hunger, it will take, it may take some adjusting still. It will take, may take an element of practice, but the guilt that would may come with going for a regular non-diet brownie side note, fiber 90 bars, not a brownie. 
No, um, no, no, no. No, no. We won't talk, talk more about those. Just saying, it's not a brownie, nor is it birthday cake. Doesn't matter what flavor you get. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't bother. Go go get oh, like an actual. Oh. <laughs> yeah. to, to come back to my original point, <laughs> making things off limits and trying to avoid them can make you hit them even harder, or go for an alternative you deem to be healthier or cleaner but potentially have to eat so much more of in search of that satiety that never comes. Mm-hmm. And the research has shown exactly that, what, you, what you've been saying, the fact that when we say to ourselves that something is off limits, we want to actually crave it more than unless we give ourselves and say, no, nothing's off limits, but it's just trying to be more maybe mindful or um have a little bit of what you want every now and again is not going to do you any harm and actually is really beneficial and positive and I you know I'm sure many of the listeners and you yourself would have had that experience of if I allow myself to have x fear food or x forbidden food I won't stop and I think of the foods I most feared and most craved when I was restricting and how and biscuits I think were a massive fear food of mine because they generally come in a larger packet with more than one portion's worth unless you get the really overpriced like mini or oreo packs or something if you're gonna buy chocolate digestives I was terrified if I had them in the house and I had one I wouldn't stop whereas now I wouldn't have believed this some years ago I can have, I've got several different packs of biscuits in my kitchen and I put some on a plate. I make my coffee. I add a few other bits to my, my snack and that's fine. And sometimes I'll be like, I do fancy maybe another biscuit, which is fine, but it's not a matter of me going, oh shit, I've done it now. I've ruined it now. Dive into Mm -hmm. the whole pack and then some. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you're, it's just setting people up for failure if you mm-hmm. just cross complete food groups off that you know in, that you'll never allow yourself to have and then it again creates a lot of shame and embarrassment that oh if I eat this I've done this I'm this really bad person now I've eaten this this is going to happen and blah 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 whereas that what we actually know is that when you include things like this in your diet things like brownies like cake like crisps all the kind of really enjoyable nice foods that um that we might struggle with more sort of when we're struggling with an eating disorder um as you include them in your diet and your body knows that it's okay this isn't going to be the last time that i'm ever going to get this food Mm -hmm. your cravings will reduce that extreme hunger like you say it's in reaction to the fact that you are malnourished and that your body is so your body is making you think about food and think about these foods because it's going i need energy i need something i need this as such it's biological isn't it yeah and that calms down when your body knows it's gonna get it 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 might take a while and that's and it's still scary and i I don't want to talk as someone who's been in recovery for seven years as if i've got all the answers and that actually all you need to do is this not at all and um, we, we are putting it in relatively basic terms. Um, we're not going to go into the deep mental side of 
managing these things, but just as a, you know, to we're here to debunk expectations and things that diet culture encourages, essentially. Yeah. And the, I think the big thing to remember with, like I say, with all of these is thinking about where they have come from, what they have stemmed from. And the fact is the majority of it is companies, is businesses that just want money. Even the sort of clean eating comes from, there, there was a hell of a lot on social media that people are making, basing their jobs off of this. So if they're not spilling out this information, if they're not sort of portraying as clean eating image, they're not going to get an income. So it's, their, their life depends on it as such. And it's, it's thinking about, actually have these social events that you'd miss out on all of those sorts of things that diets are so restrictive and we know don't work so we're going to come to our our last theme it's another we're going to talk about two types of diets now that kind of they're not the same they have similarities Um, I imagine they have similar histories too so yeah we're going to end on looking at um, the ketogenic diet aka keto and paleo first of all what do the names mean yeah so keto stands for ketogenic diet um it's basically short for the kind of process that you want to get your body into so the body state of ketosis which is the end goal with the ketogenic diet so we'll go into a little bit more detail about what that actually means um but the Paleo diets as well means paleolithic, which comes from the um, era that was roughly 2.5 million years ago. When people were, you know, noting down their diets and their weight loss results. Yeah. And (laughs) what I think is also really important to know is that humans have actually evolved because we've been able to cook food and because we've been able to increase food efficiency and then our guts adapted. Uh, adapted and become smaller because it was, was quite big because we forage and have to spend lots of time chewing that actually helped us increase our brain power so the fact that there's an advertised diet for 2.5 million years ago from when we sort of pre pre-evolution i've been yeah a bit, bit worried but those are where the names so they are they are famously both low carb and i'm not sure so much about paleo but i know keto is very much you must limit your fruit and veg because they're carbs and so what what do they what is the general rule with these diets and also what is the problem with limiting fruit and veg yeah so the keto like you say that's the one that limits um a lot of the fruits and veg because of the carbohydrates so it's a low carbohydrate diet which consists of a high fat adequate protein, um, low carb overall. And it's, like I say, aiming to put the body in a state of ketosis. What is ketosis? So ketosis is where the body is lacking carbohydrate to use as sufficient energy source. So instead, your body starts breaking down the fats in your body that's stored into what's called ketones. So when your blood has higher ketones, that's the state of ketosis. And these then get used in your brain as the source of source of energy. Now, like you say, it's it's the basically it's the new Atkins is what it's looking at. It's low, low carbohydrates and it's uh, cut out 
a number of different sort of fruit and vegetables. So you've got all fruit, sugary fruits, no grains or starches, no beans or legumes, no root vegetables or tubers because they weren't around. Oh, sorry, but that's the paleo one. <laughs> so I'm, I'm getting confused myself now. But it's because they're in high in carbohydrates. And so it mostly is involved with kind of meat, fatty fish, eggs, butter, cream, cheese, nuts and seeds, healthy oils. Again, that's inverted commas there. Um, avocados, low carb vegetables and herbs and spices. There's the kind of research that we have on it is actually there is a medical usage for it. And we use it in children with epilepsy. So all hard to control epilepsy although it's being moved away from more because now we do have effective kind of um, anti-convulsants, so uh, medications. So that's where the research is. The research has been saying that ketosis helps with children with epilepsy that's hard to control, that they have less um, epileptic seizures, but we don't have any information about it. It's kind of its purpose really in the general population. Um, other than that, it works because it's a low carb diet and you're cutting out kind of a whole a whole food group. There's a risk of potential risk of kind of um, vitamin and mineral deficiencies. You're cutting out, again, all dairy from your diet and not replacing that with anything. Calcium. Cutting out a lot of fiber as well. Your digestive yeah. system is going to be really unhappy. Yeah, so people get what they call um, keto flu, but actually this is just the lack of, it's the lack of kind of carbohydrate that's in their diet um, as such because the diet's not balanced. So you get kind of like nausea, vomiting, tiredness, dizziness, poor exercise tolerance, constipation is a massive one um, as well. And there's not much kind of in evidence about what it does kind of in the in the long term um, for us. It is it, such it is basically Atkins kind of in, in disguise. Before blocking loads of pages on my Instagram discover page, it was so many people peddling keto along with like gym booty photos and, you know, but, you know, people who are, look super fit and super toned and defined um so i think it was it was being sold with an image like so in the 90s and noughties with atkins it was very much you know become a waif um whereas now it's you know it's it's not it's about getting fit so to speak and getting healthy and just like but these things i mean what you've just said about keto doesn't sound especially healthy to me no and especially if, if people are exercising as well you need a good source of complex carbohydrates to be able to give you energy and sustain you the brain the brain mainly runs on carbohydrates its primary source of energy is carbohydrates so if you're not eating carbs your concentration your cognitive function is going to go in the bin exactly yeah and there, there have been kind of incidences of people also getting kind of higher cholesterol levels um, as such. It's not causation at the moment yet. It's more correlation. So it's not saying that that definitely is the cause. The diet has caused this, but it's been more noted as, as, as well um, sort of from, from the diet because it does advertise quite a lot of um, intake of red meat. But it is incredibly, incredibly restricted by cutting out 
all these kind of healthy vegetables and fruits, you are missing out on essential nutrients and also no beans. There's a lot of healthy B, B vitamins in all of there that you're not going to get as well. And the, the reason why it works is because you are eating less than what your body needs. That is why it works kind of with, with weight loss as, as such. But actually, it's not sustainable in the long term. And good luck trying to eat out as well, I think. <laughs> well, I was just I was telling Vicky before we started recording that literally round the corner from my house, there is a paleo cafe slash restaurant, which I have not dined in, especially again as a vegetarian. It's probably not going to cater for me that well. So what's paleo? So it, it, it's based on the idea of a human diet from several million years ago. That's one thing. What area of the world? Because we have different resources across the world. The reason we have different cuisines is due to different resources. Um, so that's one complaint. But what's what differs paleo from keto? So the difference is, is that it doesn't cut out all carbohydrates but it's about what food sources were available 2.5 million years ago. So it has Does it involve a lot of raw food? So it can do, depending on who you kind of go with as well. There is the raw paleo diet, which can be incredibly kind of dangerous for getting sort of airborne um, diseases, sort of eating raw kind of steak or chicken or anything like this. Um, as such, it's, it's not recommended. It's going to upset your digestion as well, because we our bodies have learned to digest cooked food uh, as well. But it avoids avoids processed foods, but includes kind of um, a little bit more variety than a keto. So it has it does allow kind of fruits, uh, nuts, vegetables, root vegetables, um, fish, eggs and meats. And it's it leads can really lead to nutritional deficiencies if it's not done done right. Vitamin D, um, you'd have to make sure that you have in your oily fish and the, the milk. Uh, sorry, you can't have the milk because it's <laughs> you're not allowed dairy. Um, but you'd have to make sure you're having then milk, uh, oily fish or eggs to be able to get that. Mm. It's really really. But also raw oily fish and raw eggs, presumably. Yeah. yeah and it really also can be low in fiber again due to the elimination of like a lot of beans there's a lot of starchy carbohydrates so the carbohydrates is mostly coming from vegetables mm. and fruits That's and not it. from grain yeah and like i said our our, our bodies have developed from 2.5 million years ago in response to our food food developing and being able to be more efficient with how we eat um as such this is going to leave you feeling pretty grim, pretty grim. And again, it is worth, in 2019, it was worth approximately 500 million US dollars. So it's, again, there are products that you can also buy at Paleo. Just to note, we are not here to say, don't do this, essentially, or, you know, to badmouth people who have done this or are doing this. But we are, the reason I wanted to do this, the reason I invited Vicky on as a dietitian to talk about these things is so you can, if you do choose to do them, 
you do so in from a more informed point of view and you know looking at it realistically because regardless of the supposed aim for health these are all weight loss diets they are all everything we've discussed today is about a reduction of you know that's meant to be a sign of health isn't it um and weight loss is not an indicator of health for so many reasons because there are so people lose weight and people gain weight for so many different reasons that are unrelated to their diet and lifestyle anyway and if if health is not a priority for you which is fine and your goal is weight loss regardless of health you know we would advise not to do these things but at the end of the day is you've got the autonomy to make those decisions for yourself um but i was just desperately wanting to look at the mechanics of these diets and why they work you know work but what working means in this context and how if you, if health is your goal there are ways to go about it that aren't restrictive and potentially risky yeah. and costly as well yeah it's a hell of a lot of money these people are making but yeah exactly like you say we're not here to kind of demonize or say no you can't absolutely do this I'm just here to try and share the kind of details so that people can make informed choices and know a little bit more about what they might be going into and the things to look out for if they are pursuing these or what potential risks may come up but it's not a yeah it's not here to judge or anything like that no I mean it would be again hypocritical of us considering some of our former dietary exactly yeah exactly i think uh we probably know know quite a few tricks or or two and just we've we've done you know we've done even with this knowledge it's it's difficult to apply it to yourself as it is you know we can talk about this and apply it to others but mate you know i don't i can't speak on behalf of vicky but i still struggle with some of these thoughts and you know living in a country like the uk that's so rife with diet culture it does still get in so i don't want you to think that we're sitting here feeling superior because we don't believe this stuff it still affects us um and i think it's because it affects us that it's so important to us to have these conversations absolutely absolutely you know it's it's such a ingrained part of culture unfortunately in society you know i speak for the uk um, such body image it's it we still hear the same information um we just need to process it differently and try to tell ourselves oh maybe we forget about this this bit of information that's not important and have to kind of to be curious and to think critically about things because what we see at face value doesn't necessarily represent the whole truth we're get, getting a little bit um a bit corny now i think so <laughs> maybe it's time to to wrap up yeah and... <laughs> no, we've we've absolutely you know we've covered the things we wanted to cover there are still plenty of diets um and brands that we could have discussed but you know it will there'll be a similar pattern to each of them i i think yeah new fad diets come out every year you know be the same patterns just new names. yeah um and also there there was some that we considered discussing but we also didn't want to 
shine a light on them and make you know bring them to people's consciousness um which is why we decided not to talk about some of the other ones we looked into so yeah i i'm so happy that we got to do this one thank you so much for coming back i'm sure i'll find something else for you to talk about in the future as one of our our new regulars i guess oh um, that would be brilliant i'm always happy to return that's yes. been amazing fun so thank you it's it's great to be getting episodes recorded again after such a long break thank you so much i hope this was helpful to some of our listeners and go and eat some brownies oh yeah i'm about to go and eat homemade chili with tacos and guacamole that sounds good you go go enjoy that thank you so much (laughs) amazing thank you